some people need six or seven touches. And so like if you want to create change in the world, why don't you build value for them as much as you can as soon as you can so that you can get them into action and down the path that they truly want to go? Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 123 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. Christina with you here. It's well known that most people fear public speaking more than death, and my guest this week has something to add to that. He says that people fear selling when public speaking even more. And this is exactly what he's going to help us with today. His name is Dustin Matthews, and I'm super excited to have him joining me on the show this week. In this episode, you're going to discover how to sell and impact powerfully from the stage, but not only during your presentation, also before and after your presentation. And you'll learn a little bit more about how that works in the episode. But first, I want to give a shout out to my fabulous students who attended the half-day public speaking masterclass I led on Friday here in Melbourne. I'm so proud of the progress every single person made by the end of the session. We saw incredible improvements in confidence, audience engagement, and storytelling. So if you were at that workshop and you're listening now, big congratulations to you. I will most likely run another public speaking masterclass later in the year, so keep an ear out for that announcement. Also, if you downloaded last week's episode, How to Be a Trusted Advisor, that was number 122, and you heard the episode on mindfulness instead and were a little bit confused, I'm very sorry for that error. The wrong episode was actually uploaded there. Now, the correct episode has since been uploaded, so if you already downloaded the incorrect episode, make sure you delete that off your phone and re-download it. It will correct itself. But make sure you listen to that Trusted Advisor episode. It's a good one. Okay, let's get into today's main topic. Dustin Matthews is the co-founder of Speaking Empire, a company that helps people and businesses to communicate powerfully and monetize their message. Being a branding and marketing expert as well, Dustin is known for creating marketplace frenzies that drive people to buy products en masse. His companies and private clients have been featured by Forbes, Entrepreneur, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Inc. Magazine. He's the author of many best-selling books. He's marketed and filled over 3,000 events and led 10 online product launches, which has generated over $43 million in sales. So if there's anyone with the credibility to teach us about selling when we speak, it's Dustin. Now, I don't want you to get put off by the word selling. You'll discover that it's more about influencing people to take action and make a decision, whether it's taking action on your ideas or joining your community or raising money for a cause. Dustin shares his five components of a powerful presentation that will work together to impact and influence your audience to take action. And we also talk about how you can influence before and after your presentation. He shares many tips that you may have never even thought about, and I'll definitely be implementing what I've learned from him for my upcoming speaking gig at Podcast Movement in LA. Looking forward to that one. So get ready to take notes because there's gold in this conversation. And if you're driving or out running and you miss something, I'll put a recap in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Dustin. That's thecmethod.com slash Dustin with a D. Okay, you ready? Let's meet Speaking Empire's Dustin Matthews. 
The mission of your company, Speaking Empire, is to advance the human race, I love that, by empowering leaders to communicate powerfully, unlock their fullest potential, and ultimately step into their greatness. And I think this is an absolutely amazing mission. Why are you so passionate about empowering people in this way? I was afraid to do it. And so that- Really? Yeah, I was afraid. So I was at university and I remember in order to graduate, I had to take public speaking. And so I remember going to the class and it was like a theater. And so there was 300 stairs check, uh, stacked up there and there was the stage right there. And the professor walked out and he told me, hey, you're going to have to give 10 talks. Three are going to be in front of all 300 people and the, the other seven you're going to do in smaller breakout groups. And, and I'm looking around and I'm like, is anyone else here in this? Like, <laughs> like, And so I would like to say I conquered that fear in that moment, but I bailed. And so what happened was is I needed to graduate. I wanted to make parents happy and I wanted to move on in the world. And so I signed up again, but I was thinking, Christina, I could find a smaller room. I could find a smaller, you know, class or, or maybe I could do it online because those, that's when it was starting to come on these virtual classes online. And so I sign up for class and I find myself in that same part of campus. And lo and behold, I'm in the same room and it's the same pitch, 10 talks in front of. <laughs> and so I would like to tell you that I conquered my fear in that moment, but it didn't happen there either. And so I think what's funny is um, I think in life we have these things opportunities, I should say, that knock on our door. And so I was afraid to answer it. And so I was so motivated by fear and I was so um, not wanting to take this class. I think I did more work to get out of this class. And so basically I started asking around students and I started talking to student aides and I went and read the student handbook, which no student ever reads. And um, no. I, found, <laughs> I found a legal loophole. And it said, if you had taken this class in high school, you could get out of taking public, public speaking in college because you, you had shown great skill set. And so the class was model United Nations where I spoke in front of a hundred other countries. Now I didn't take this class because I wanted to. The real truth, I was chasing a girl. And so it didn't work out, it didn't work <laughs> out with the girl, Christina, but, um, I, I did take the class. And what's funny was I was public speaking and I didn't realize it. And so I got the teacher to write the note and I turned it into university. And so I got out of that. And so I think it's funny because early in my life, I was deathly afraid to do this, but once I did it and I saw the benefit of myself, how I grew personally, how my career grew, and then obviously how I stepped into being an entrepreneur and, and leveraging it now. Uh, that's my passion. So I know that's a long answer to that, but really it's my passion is to help people that were in that same spot that I was when they could be benefiting massively. Can we just take a little step back? What <laughs> yeah. were you so deathly afraid of when you were at college? Looking bad. And yeah, I was asked recently, like, well, someone went further with me and they said, well, why? And I said, well, I remember this one time in, in high school, we were all at a dance club uh, and I was dancing with a group and it was my turn. I was waiting to dance and everyone was dancing around in the circle, all my friends. And so then it was my turn. And um, I remember what my mom said. And she says, Matthew's men don't dance. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and so that program was in my head. And so I tried to dance and I was so awkward and clumsy and still am to this day. Um, uh, awkward and clumsy and, and people made fun of me and my friends made fun of me in a good way, but it, it was just, I was on the spotlight and I, and I, I didn't perform. And so looking bad was a theme in my life uh, early on. And, you know, it, it creeps up every now and again. Uh, I got to keep it in check, but um, I think that's why uh, I was so afraid to actually get up in front of others and speak. And what, what was the moment where you realized 
where you actually did your first speaking engagement and realized, hey, this is actually really beneficial. Oh, that's great. That's a funny one. So I, um, I ended up finding a job uh, with my partner now. And so I worked for him at the time. And so basically he was closing on his condo and he calls me up and he says, hey, Dustin, um, you're going to have to cover for me tonight for the presentation. It was a real estate presentation and I was just starting the company. So I didn't know anything. And I looked like I was 16 because I have a baby face. And so all that stuff was running through my head. And so I remember, and I told him the same story I just shared with you. No, I'm not the guy, you know, at university, I got out of it. Here's how. And he's like, listen, if you want to continue to stay around and have a job, you need to do this. And I said, okay, I'm doing it. There's no legal loophole. And so I did it. And I was amazed. There were people triple, almost triple my age in that audience and they listened to me. And the reason why was I had specialized knowledge and they wanted to know, know about it. And so it didn't matter how old I was. It didn't matter my race. It didn't matter if I was male or female. The fact is if people are motivated to learn and, and study and you have knowledge and wisdom to share with them that can, can change your life, then share it and, and people want to hear it. And, and so that's what I did. And so in that moment, I realized, wow, there's something to this. Wow. And then how did you go about improving your own skill with speaking? I just did it. Um, I, you know, obviously I have some tips and strategies that I can share here, but I, you know, the, the flat out answer is I just, I just did it. And I watched what other people did. I tried some things. I fell on my face a couple times with bad jokes. And so I just did it. And the key word in there is I practice. You have a book that's about to be released, I believe, or is it released already it's real it's just been released and i have a funny just story i have a funny story okay. about, about that well i just had my second son forrest and uh the book had been planned to be launched and and forrest you know we had a date when he was going to be launched if you want to call it that <laughs> and so he delayed his date and so he actually came a day before the book launch and so in the in the world of um you know launching a book and a baby uh generally you don't want to do those like in close proximity because they they both you know require time and they and you need to dedicate time uh, to both uh obviously one more than the other and so um yeah so it's been a little over 30 days now and we've been um, thrilled with the results and excited to uh, spread the message and it's called the no bs guide to powerful presentations how to sell anything with webinars and online media speeches and seminars and when i saw that when i saw this that you, you were launching this book i thought this could be a really really powerful conversation to and lesson to share with the listeners because i mean there are so many things that we could talk about around the subject of speaking obviously you're so knowledgeable around this topic but i'd love to focus on how to sell from the stage Let's do it. Uh, you know, that's funny. They, you know, this stat because you're in this world and, and you, you work to transform people's lives. And so a lot of people would rather die, as the famous stat says, mm. than actually <laughs> give the eulogy or, or speak in front of others. And so I actually think if they actually had another stat or did a little more, I believe there's something even worse uh, in terms of fear. And that's actually selling from the stage, asking for <laughs> money. Or, you know, like if you're raising money for charity or you're selling your product or service, uh, I think there, that's the, that's an even worse fear. And the reason why is, you know, if you sell one on one, you know, if you talk to a client or you're in your retail shop and you go over and chat with somebody, you know, they can say no and you just kind of walk away. It may hurt a little, may sting. But when you're in a room of a hundred or a thousand people and they all say no to whatever it 
is you offer them, that's like, you know, a hundred hand slaps, right? All at once. Mm -hmm. And so in front of everyone else, (laughs) in front of everyone else. So like, you want to talk about looking bad, which, which is funny because that, that was the story of my uh, childhood, uh, my fear. And it's funny that I've chosen to take this on it and, and do this as my craft. And so, um, yeah. And, And, Christine, I think it's important if we're going to talk about selling from stage, like a lot of people think, you know, if they've been to seminars, they may have seen somebody sell and push people to the back of the room and sign up. But I for sure just don't want to talk about that form of mm. selling if you're open to that. Oh, absolutely. Because let's let's define selling to get started because some people listening are not necessarily selling a product or a service. They could be selling ideas. So can you share what are some different scenarios or things that we could be selling or define as selling Yeah, absolutely. The number one thing I want to say is this, is no matter your presentation, and it's funny because Christina did it. She's a pro right before this podcast. She said to me before we went live, she said, hey, I want to know the outcome or I'm going to tell you the outcome that that I want for the the audience and, and what I would like to achieve. And that's the exact thing that you should do in a presentation, no matter what it is. And so there always should be an end in mind. And it's my belief that every presentation should call people to action. And sometimes that's selling. Sometimes that's generating a lead. Like if you want to build a, a, an email list or, you know, build your following on Facebook. Sometimes if you're in the financial space, it may be generating an appointment or if you're a coach or you sell something very sophisticated, it's generating or selling someone to have a conversation or an appointment as some people call it. And so no matter what scenario, oh, one more, one more is raising money. And so maybe you're in the nonprofit or charity world, um, it's good if you start with what is the end in mind that you want the audience to do? Not in a weird, like hypnotize way, but what do you want? What What is the action that you want that audience member to take? And so when you do that, you reverse engineer your whole presentation and you start to think about, well, does this story really further the sale? You know, does telling this childhood of my weird awkwardness, uh, you know, from back in the day, does that really help me get people to want to move? And so you start to look through that lens and, and it becomes obvious and easier which content or which stories that you tell and what to include. So it's not just enough to deliver great content to be able to get people to, to take action after you speak? Absolutely. The thing is, is, you know, a lot of people when they talk in my experience, you know, they give their teachers, right? And so they give great value. And if you've ever spoken before in front of a group and you just taught your heart out, it's not the same as selling an idea. It's not the same as getting people to buy a product or service or an appointment. And often, oftentimes we found the statement should be true. The more you teach, the less you sell. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't deliver value, but what you should be doing is modeling what the most successful people in society do. And so I, I kind of want to take a sidebar here. If we take a look at, Christina, the, the most successful people in terms of monetary and fame and fortune, not that that's like the end-all be-all, but if we look at that and use them as a model, entertainers, athletes in our society, performers, they oftentimes get paid more than a teacher or a professor. And so it's, I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. It's just what it is in our society. It's what society rewards. And so if that's the case, what is the athlete or performer or entertainer doing? Well, they're entertaining us. And so when you speak or perform in front of others, you ought to be thinking about delivering massive value. Don't get me wrong. They're massive, massive value, great content, but also we should be entertaining, being vulnerable, telling great stories, making them laugh because it's the emotion that really connects with them. And so I just want folks to 
you think about content is there. I want it to be valuable. And that's why you work with Christina. That's why you listen into this podcast is to understand how do I create compelling content and value. But I also want you to keep in mind the story. And that is a form of content, but I want you to entertain them. That's quite a mindset shift. Absolutely. To go go from I've got to create or share all this stuff. Like I've got dot points of everything that I want to share. It's quite a mindset shift to go from that to going, oh, I've also got to entertain them. <laughs> is, that, is that overwhelming for the for the people you work with? Absolutely. You know, when they first hear about it, they're like, oh my goodness, like I'm not a comedian. Like how am I going to make them laugh? How am I going to make them like me? And, and, and the answer is absolutely it is. And so when you work in and you show people a structure or, or a formula, just like you do, Christina, uh, when you show them a, a formula, like it's, it, it's baked in, or if they follow this path, they can get an intended result, then it becomes a lot, a lot easier. But when they first hear about it, they they are afraid of it. And we created this concept called presentating. And so it's not it's one thing to just to be a, be a presenter, but it's how do you be a, an entertaining presenter? And when you do, you'll be memorable, you'll get more clients, you'll have more advancement in the in the career world. Mm, and more likely to be able to make that sell. Absolutely. So can you take me through the process that you help your clients with? in terms of creating a really and delivering a really impactful presentation that then enables you to sell effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there we've identified five components to a powerful presentation. One would be your intro, two is your story, three is your offer, four is your body, and five is your close. Now, here's the biggest takeaway and I think I may have mentioned it. Uh the, the biggest takeaway is to start backwards. So reverse engineer. And so what is the action you want your folks to take? And so I know when I was at school in university, when we had to do presentations for class, you always started on the first slide. And so what I'm challenging people to do or what I want to challenge you to do is start backwards. So like if your goal is to get them to opt in or to sign a piece of paper for a petition or to, you know, go do something that requires action, then I want you to think about, okay, that's the intended that's the intended outcome. Now I want to reverse engineer everything from that. And so if I go through our, our formula here, um, what I'll share with you is working backwards from that is the body. And in your body, what you want to consider are sharing very valuable components of content. Just like I've shared here, there's five components of a powerful presentation. I tell people to share three biggest takeaways or a five-step process. Let's say if you're showing people how to lose weight, show them – Show them what your process is for success. And here's the big takeaway, Christina, and everyone listening in. The big takeaway is this, is that you should call it something. So my last name is Matthews. And so if I were creating the Matthews uh, weight loss uh, system I, or process, I would call it the, the Matthews method. And it's a five-step process for losing weight. And I might tell you, go drink some water, you know, go walk around the house a little bit more and, and yada, 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 all the different steps. And so, right, so you give that a name. Yes, you give it a name and then you trademark it. And the reason is if you do intend to make yourself unique in the world, it's the, it's the thing that people can't compete with you on. So you've immediately made yourself different in a competitive world. So if, if people have ever wondered that, if you've wondered that, it's a very powerful way uh, to do it. And so when you do that, don't just give people the steps, give them stories. And so tell success stories of clients that you've worked with or how you created a result in the workplace or other places in the world where they can see uh, this being taught or learned. And so when you do this, you really connect with the audience. Does that make sense? 
Mm. I have a question on that. Yeah. So with this whole naming your process and making it unique to you, does that work the same for professionals in a, say, a corporate environment where it's not about your business as such? Do you still name it something? Could it be more to do with the company? Absolutely. So what I would do is you wouldn't name it after yourself. That's a real quick example for my entrepreneur friends out there or somebody that's really selling themselves. But if you're mm. in the workplace, this is what you would say. You would say, listen, we've identified or the team has identified, you know, these five key areas as the uh, success method or the, you know, the marketing department success method or something like sure. that. And so now it seems more concrete. It seems more real. It seems like, you know, it's not just, oh, you pick this from thin air. It's like, oh, they put their research in, they've identified it. It has a, you know, a working title, a working name, and it just makes the idea a lot more concrete. And so people like ideas that are flushed out. They like systems. They like things that are organized um, like that. Love it. All right, cool. So that's our body. Yep. So that's our body. And then what you want to do in any great presentation, working backwards from that, is you want to make an offer. Now, people get offer and close mixed up. So let me elaborate. So offer is, you know, anytime you give a presentation, you're really there to solve a problem. So there's a problem that exists in the workplace. There's a problem that exists uh, in the world. And so what you want to do is make people aware of what the problems are. And the best way to do that are with statistics with stories, right? And so when you let people know, he, these are the challenges that we're facing or here are the problems, here are the stats that back it up, then what you're there to do is offer a solution. And so the solution may not be what you know, but it may be a process that you know. So let me give you an example. Let's just say you don't have all the answers. However, you want to put together a task force that you have identified a couple people on the team that you think could arrive at an answer. Well, you, you need to let people know that there's a problem. And then that solution is you've identified team members. You've identified some times in, you know, where you can get together and you've created this little mini process of how you can plan to fix the problem or how the company can fix the challenge or the solution. And so that would be your offer if that is your scenario. And so again, Always target the pain or let people know of what the challenges are and then provide a solution, a game plan for that. So the solution is the offer, which is different to the close. Correct. That's right. Okay. It's just you need to let people know. A lot of times people get a little weird with sales. And the reason why is they don't let people know that they're here to sell an idea. They're here to sell a concept. And, and if you wait to the very end, you do get that nervousness. You, you do get that knee-jerk reaction. And so when you let people know right away that you, you, know, you have a solution, their challenges, then they understand and they want it. They look forward to it. So how in depth do you go into the solution or do you just mention, you know, we have, we have a solution for this and we'll share more about that at the end? Is that well, how you frame it? Yeah. Yes, I absolutely do. That's one of the strategies is we call that an open loop. So what you want to do to keep people's attention is you want to say, listen, you know, here are the challenge we're facing. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about possible solutions or a scenario that we can use or the company can leverage to really get us out of this mess or, you know, really increase profits or whatever the benefit would be uh, that people are looking for. Then in your body, that's where you would go into the details. That's where you would say, listen, I've got a five-step thing or here are the five key points that I believe are going to help us get out of here. And here are the five key members or, or whatever your, your system or your process would be. That's where you would talk about it in the body. All right. Got it. All right, cool. So then working backwards from there, I'm doing this uh, without a scratch pad in front of me. So working backwards from there is you got to tell a story. So the, the next part of your presentation, getting back to the, the beginning, which is the intro, is a story. Now, the story has to be 
one that really hits and connects. And so it can be your own personal story, but in the corporate world, if that is your environment, it's going to be less about your personal experience unless you have something that really communicates or unless you have identified some sort of problem or you've discovered something. More often than not, it's going to be about what the challenges are that are facing the organization. So it sounds very similar to statistics. You want to tell the story of how life is right now and how if we continue on this path, it's going to get worse. And if we don't have a turning point and course correct, then it's going to be bad. If we do course correct, then this is what life could look like. Increased profits, increased productivity, better health care in the, in the workforce. And so it, this is the classic Hollywood story uh, turnaround. And so if you look at the great movies, there's always a main character and he faces some adversity. Life really gets bad and then life becomes great again once once that uh, adversity is conquered. And so some people call this the hero's journey. If you're really a story person, go check that out. Google it. It's a great framework for telling mm -hmm. a story. But in the corporate world, it's it's less about the person. It's not your personal struggle, but it's what the company is facing. It's what the department is facing. It's what uh, the organization may be facing. But you got to paint the picture of how life is bad and then also tell the story of how life could be good. So paint that vision, paint that future mm. of what could happen. It's creating that contrast, isn't it? Correct. Saying this is, if we don't take action now, this is where we're going to be and you, we don't want to be there. But if we do, it's going to be like this. So providing that, that contrast. Yeah, absolutely. And then now working backwards from that is your introduction. And so um, the intro I really love um, because a lot of people will judge a book by its cover. It's just how it is. I don't agree with it, but it's just how it is in, in the world. And so people judge you before uh, or right when they hear you speak. They judge you even before you speak uh, if they can see you or make some sort of judgment. And so I like to open up very strongly and I take a look at entertainers again. And so if you look at very successful, um, you know, the royalty, if you look at people that are, you know, like the Queen of England, if you look at the President of the United States, or heck, you're even your favorite rock band, all of those people are introduced. And so the rock band has warm up acts. The president is always introduced by an underling um, or somebody else. The Queen of England is properly introduced. Royalty is always introduced. So they never just open up. And so if you think about that, if you want to influence and you want to take control of the environment, you'll look for the influencer, the people in the room that have most affinity with the others. And you'll ask them to somehow introduce you or start off the meeting and then turn it over to you. And so you borrow their credibility. You borrow their authority and power. Now, it's not the only thing that's going to help you in the presentation. So just because you get someone to introduce you doesn't mean you're going to have a winning presentation, but it is an influence point. And so Absolutely. in that, you want to do it. Now, my favorite thing is if you can get away with it is I love to do a video. So some sort of introduction video um, where you can start with a very big bang because people love videos and it's a different form of, of entertainment. And so uh, I love to start off presentations with a video, have someone introduce me. Then I quickly tell people what the meeting is about or what the presentation is about. So just that, like that old adage, Christina, 
tell them what they're going to learn, then tell them and then tell them what you've told them. 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 Yeah, (laughs) it's the same thing. I call that framing. And the the way, the, the reason why this is so powerful is you're making promises to people. And some people really thrive on closing loops and, you know, hearing what you have to say, like completing the promise. They, you know, it drives some people nuts, like, like a, a worksheet, right? That you hand to people. Some people really enjoy filling out those forms so they get a sense of completeness. And so it's very powerful to use that old adage and frame and let people know what is going to occur in your presentation. Just going back to the video, is that video that you put on like a generic speaker, like your speaker reel, like what, what do you actually have in the video? Is it you speaking to camera saying, hi, I'm Dustin, or is it someone in third person going, Dustin Matthews is a rock star <laughs> entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. I like that. Can you do my voiceover for my next one? <laughs> that was good. I'm just, I'm just having fun. Um, this is a great question. So it just depends on your environment. So obviously if you're in the corporate space and you come out with, Hey, in a world where, you know, and you, you come out with something super <laughs> yeah. sensational, you know, they're probably going to shoot you or, or shoo you out of the room. And so, you know, if I'm in an environment where I am selling myself, you will see a video like that. However, if I'm in a, in a corporate environment, I may show a video that is relevant to the topic. I may show a news clipping. I may show if I can get away with it. I may show something from an entertain, like from a movie, a movie clip that is relevant to the topic that I'm talking about. And so just sure. opening with video uh, can be powerful. Or the other thing is this. You could get a CEO. You could get upper level management um, to record a video. Like if you really wanted to nail this meeting and have a good outcome for yourself, you could ask them to record a face-to-camera uh, video and say, listen, what you're about to hear from so-and-so, from Christina in this very powerful presentation can you know, change the company. So if you do have somebody in your corner and you want to borrow their influence, you could consider doing that too. That's a great tip. And another thing with, with uh, getting people to introduce you, I've learned the hard way that you, you have to tell them what to say. <laughs> about you because I, I had an experience recently where I was told, oh, you know, I'll, I'll introduce you. It's fine. And I thought, okay, that, that's great. He, they didn't seem concerned about what they were going to say. So I just assumed they would introduce me, right? They went up there and copy, cop, this is before I updated my about page. It's, I, my, my old about page had been sitting there for a while and I was going to get around to doing it, updating it, but I never did. <laughs> so what they did was they went to my about page and they copied, a, they just copy pasted a whole section from that and read out this introduction that was completely not like it just wasn't 100% relevant to that particular presentation. <laughs> and they were they were reading out names of people I'd worked with that no one had heard of because it was the wrong audience. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is so bad. So the first thing I did was I updated my about page. And secondly <laughs> was I've since learned when, when you always ask who's going to be introducing me and you always connect with them and say, can you please – like this is the blurb I want you to say because it will be different for each audience you you speak with. Christina, you you nailed it right on. I you know I have this concept called chore- choreography, which we we can get into in a second. Mm. But that's the reason why I love the intro video. Even if you do have a great uh, in- uh, person introduce you, an MC or a host, sometimes they've got a million things running in their head. So even if they're good, you know they can be off. And so I always have an introduction that's pre-written, and I give it to them before uh, they they go up. But I don't even count on that because they may go off script. And so I always 
I always look to have an intro video so that no matter what, I get the influence from the leader. Then I have a video talk about me in third person. Then I get up there because I'm not a braggadocious guy. I'm not going to sit there and tout my accomplishments. That's just not how I roll. That's just not who I am. But I will leverage other people doing it or I will leverage the power of video or marketing to influence for me. Hmm. I love the idea of the video. I've not heard of that before. So I'm that's something I'll definitely explore for my own presentations. Cool. So let's get into this concept of choreography because I know you're particularly interested in this. Yes. So the idea of choreography is that, yes, the presentation absolutely 100% matters. You know, understanding the content, understanding how to be engaging, understand great delivery, mission critical. But there are other influence factors. And so as a marketer, I think about what can I do before I even get to that meeting to influence. And so some things that I've done that you may be able to pick from is everything from running Facebook ads to the building that I was going to speak in so that if people were on their Facebook, they would see my ad and be like, oh, wow, this guy's larger than life. Um, <laughs> or they would click on a video in that ad and they would start consuming me. And so I'm touching them. And we've all heard the old adage, it takes six or seven yeses or touches to make a sale. So I figure, well, why wait to the meeting to get a touch point? Why don't I influence them ahead of time? Uh, any way that I can. I've done everything from marketing, sending emails or direct mail, if I can do so uh, ahead of time, just to influence before I even even get there. And so I think of this choreography as a concept of what can you do to influence you know, the presentation or the audience in your favor even before you get there? Obviously, how can you be so on that you influence while you, you present? And then what can you do afterwards? And and if you haven't heard it, the saying goes, the fortune's in the follow-up. And so a lot of times, you know, you may do a meeting, you may do a presentation, and you don't get 100% buy-in. So what do you do? Well, you could give up and be like, eh, I tried, give it my best shot. Or you could keep following up. You could send out summaries of what you talked about. You could follow up via email. You could send out personal videos. And so I think of this idea of not just the presentation itself, but how can I choreograph the whole thing? And even if it doesn't go my way, heck, if I have 10 steps in there and I get seven in there, I still win because I've had seven touch points versus, oh, I'm just giving a presentation. And so when you think about mm. it in that term, in that context, you really can have powerful results. And I can also see other benefits to that where when you're coming in to do the presentation and people have already seen you a couple of times, they've already warmed up to you, which actually makes it easier for you to give that presentation to an audience that already knows you and potentially likes you already. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, one of those, one of those touch points, uh, before you give your presentation, I remember this trick hearing this and I actually did it. Um, I was nervous. And so I would shake people's hands as they came in. And so the reason why is they, I felt familiar with them. Like they weren't strangers because as they were coming in, I'd shake their hand and I, I looked at their face and, you know, I smiled. And so it, it put me at ease when I had to get up in front of all of them. And so that's an influence point too. You're touching them, you're, you're meeting them, you're getting to know them and that helps you big time. And so there's all these different points along the way that you can put in your favor. The challenge, Christine, is most people just don't think about this stuff. Yeah. Or they sit in the corner waiting to be announced. They sit <laughs> up the front and just sit kind of awkwardly while everyone comes in and then they don't speak to anyone. And then all of a sudden you got to get up on stage and then connect with people when you've had a perfectly good opportunity to do that beforehand. 
That's absolutely right. You've got to take control of the situation. And I know you can't control every environment, but me, what I think about is how can I, how can I, that's, that's the attitude I bring is like, how can I, how can I build more value is really the context I think through and value is how can I make people more aware or how can I give them some information ahead of time? Because I know, yes, that's going to help me, but I also know too that it's hard for people to make a decision in one presentation. Some people do, you know, I'm a testament to that. Uh, but some people need six or seven touches. And so like, if you want to create change in the world, why don't you build value for them as much as you can, as soon as you can, so that you can get them into action and down the path that they truly want to go. So, you know, speaking sometimes can be one way communication, although you should be engaging the audience, having them write down and engaging that way. But when you make it more experiential, meaning it's not just them listening to you say words, you uh, do some things ahead of times where they read or they watch a video or they come to a networking party afterwards to get to know you and do one on one versus one to many. When you really touch on all those senses, I mean, really, that's what influence is all about is how do you how do you hit all the senses? Because some people are motivated in different ways. And so not one strategy works to motivate the whole room. And so that's why we do so many different strategies uh, to cover the audience, to get them to, you know, take that next step. Awesome. Justin, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom on the podcast. I feel like we could go so in depth with this, but we do have to wrap it up. <laughs> but I, I hope that it's given the audience enough of an overview and helped them to be a bit more intentional with how they approach their next presentation. So thank you, Justin. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And I, I encourage if you if you enjoyed our conversation here and you want to know more, uh, I put everything in the book, everything I could squeeze into the book and more. So if you're interested in that, um, check it out at nobspresentations.com. Love it. Big thanks to marketing and speaking guru, Dustin Matthews, for being such a generous guest on the show this week. Get his book at nobspresentations.com or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Dustin. I will link it up there. Now, reflecting on what Dustin and I talked about, I challenge you this week to be more intentional with how you choreograph your next presentation. Do you send something out to the audience beforehand? Do you go and shake people's hands at the event? Do you send follow-up resources or a recording of the session afterwards? Remember, all of these actions provide touch points for your audience, and it takes six or seven, as Dustin says, to make a sale or to get someone to take action. I've even heard it can take up to nine. So get creative and think of ways that you can add to your speaking experience. Okay, I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you next week. It's the last week actually, next week before I head to the US. So excited. Keep on being awesome. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs> <laughs>